0: This is the podcast "Going Beyond Salvation," and this is your host Jess Robinson. And uh, we, this is the Old Testament portion. We've been off for a couple of weeks since last week. I was on vacation. Uh, we went camping, and you know, out in the middle of Wyoming wilderness where there is no internet connection. There was even no cell phone. Uh, service, so we essentially had our phones off. We actually had to cut our camping trip short because we had a a thunderstorm that hit the area, and uh, the next morning we woke up, and we were hearing uh, choppers, uh, and as I was looking and could see through the trees, these choppers are the ones. They are the firefighting, wildfire, firefighting helicopters that go over to the lakes, and so we knew, and we just couldn't see where the fire was, uh, from where we were at, and we had, um, backpacked our way in, and we're pretty sore, so we knew that we probably needed to leave to be safe, and so we, we got out of there, but in a way, we also kind of knew that we needed to leave, and it's because, during our vacation we also had filled out loan paperwork. We are taking a step forward and buying a home and during our vacation we were also looking for a home and when we came back our our real estate agent that we were using was really happy that we had come back early. Uh right now here in Wyoming the since COVID nineteen and the riots we see many people um, fleeing from the big cities and they're coming out here. And uh, Cody Real Estate is crazy right now. It's mainly a lot of -of out-of-staters taking over real estate and it was trickling into, into our town of Powell. And I mean, if you get with a real estate agent and look at The listings here in Powell and Cody, there's hardly any homes left other than some of the most expensive uh, houses. And so we were, actually yesterday we got under contract. I mean, we had to hurry up and move on a house that we like. And, you know, we were hoping to get out in the country, but we're you know, happy with this home we've got, it's our first starter home, and and, and so we're very happy and excited, so the next few weeks are going to be a little bit crazy, uh, just so you know, and I'm going to be continuing doing the podcast on Friday, they may get posted on Saturday, just depending what's going on, because we have all these deadlines uh, as we go, and then just depending when the closing happens uh this is just kind of the beginning part and getting everything put together and so you know um and it's just an exciting time for all of us that we're going to be doing this and but you know on a note with that just want to say you know and i there have been some people that have over the years and years past Some evangelists have had dreams of riots and just things that have happened that are happening in the U.S. now and people fleeing to the rural countries and we're seeing those prophecies starting to come true, which means that, you know, as a church in Powell, it's we better gear up and be ready as church leadership. Because there's going to be a lot of lost people coming out here, and and needing that that guidance. And if you hear in the background some noise, uh, essentially I'm doing washing and getting things ready. It's kind of, like I said, it's going to be a crazy few weeks. But we're moving into a new home. Hopefully, this new home, the sound will be better inside this home Uh, and as I continue on we will have more room I can actually get a desktop laptop now right now all these podcasts are actually recorded on my mobile phone with a special microphone that is made to hook up to my 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 phone and so we're hoping that in the next few months that we can kind of expand once we get our finances built back up again uh, and all of that so just kind of going on you know and so the next few weeks if you see like you know a pod, one podcast on friday and the other one show up on saturday it's probably because we're in this process of doing paperwork we're in the process of getting things packed up and essentially my husband works full-time and i'm the one that works part-time On top of doing, you know, ministry classes, on top of school starting, which means youth group is going to be starting. Things are going to be a little bit crazy till till most likely after September 18th. We'll see um, we're we're using the VA uh, because my husband's a veteran. We're using the VA loan and from what I heard, the VA has been kind of uh, causing some problems with the real estate right now, so hopefully you know we're praying that no there would be no hindrances and we'll close on time and get all settled into our home and And move on, and just continue on with our lives, so you know in the old testament where we're in first chronicles, and where we had ended, there was the genealogy, and the genealogy you know as we we were in our fourteen day reading, essentially you know from chapter five as well to through chapter eight is generally uh more genealogies and we see there's such an emphasis on Judah and Benjamin which you know Benjamin is because of the line of Saul but we also see Judah because of the line of David and this really is emphasized as well with you know God's covenant it emphasizes God's faithfulness and and, perser- and preserving the uh the the line of David and, and the line of Judah where, you know, our Messiah is going to come from. That's a huge emphasis is in that area. And so, you know, with Chronicles, we see that. And then in, in chapter nine, it starts, we, we get into Saul, um, in chapter 10, you know, Saul taking his life. We kind of, we do see some similar things from, from the book of you know second Samuel, but there's also some differences as we go through. Uh but in chapter 10, you know, it shows you know Saul dying. It's a and and so you know it records, you know, the events and accomplishments of King David. You know, there's just this brief summary summarization of the reign and death of King Saul. You know, and then we get into chapters in 11 and 12. It describes how David becomes king and and he takes over Jerusalem. You know, we see David defeats the Philistines. He acquires the Ark of the Covenant and he returns to Jerusalem. And there he leads a a demonstrative expression of worship as he dances and praises God down the street. It still emphasizes how much uh, he is... It, it still emphasizes how much of a worshiper he is. And in this time, you know, I think worship is a huge thing. Worship and just really getting back into connection with God through worship and prayer right now. And I I think that's really being emphasized right now. Especially with what's going on. You know, it's a time to get back into this relationship with God. And and we see that with David and, and his devotion to God and we also see that he has this heart for God and he wants to build a temple but God says he can't build a temple you know instead God promises to build David's eternal house and David receives God's promises with an enthusiastic response and and it does show that sometimes that even as we believers there are things that you know we feel like that you know, we're, we're doing something good for God, but sometimes God doesn't want, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to do something else. He has somebody else planned to, to handle that. And, and that's something we have to, and it's, that's why it's so important with when, especially if you're in the church and participating in the church, you know, being prayerful about what you participate in, you know, because we can get into burnout. Um, you know, and we see here in first Chronicles as well, the events that are not found in second Samuel, there's, you know, David's preparations for the temple. And as I've talked about, yes, he couldn't build the temple, but he prepared for it. Solomon was was given guidance how to prepare this temple and and so David was preparing his son and and that's the same thing with us as as learning to prepare the next and build up the next generations for to continue you know, to continue that and so we see that and we also see it you know, it admits, you know, David's uh, aspects of David's reign, you know, including, excluding his struggle with Saul, his seven-year reign in Hebron, his other wives. It, it excludes Absalom's rebellion and his sin with Bathsheba. We don't see that in First Chronicles. Um, it may seem odd to those in, in this retelling of it, of Israel's in, entire history but it's kind of understandable when, you know, you realize where the, the context of this was coming from, you know, that Judah had been in captivity for 70 years and had not experienced any form of national unity. Uh, you know, he, this author, which they attributed to Ezra, you know, writes with the intention of reminding them of their heritage, where they came from and his promises to them as a nation so they could achieve a greater sense of identity and a hopeful vision of their future you know and so you know that's the huge focus and you know we don't see very much in this about the the northern kingdom and especially in you'll see it emitted a lot in second chronicles that the northern kingdom and i think in that time it's not saying that the northern kingdom was totally wiped out uh they had been scattered and as essentially you know when assyria took over but some of them had come back and they were intermarrying with those who were not believers and so and then just the focus on, on Judah was focusing on, you know, God's faithfulness to provide, you know, to, well, to provide one, the the Messiah, you know, and number two, uh, you know, preserve the line of David where the, the Messiah was going to come from. Uh, we just see that, you know, David's heart, where he's at, and just this whole thing, um, you know, and, and describing, you know, like chapters 18 to 20, describe David's various military exploits over the Amorites, Syrians, and Rabbah, along with his defeat of the Philistine giant Goliath. However, in the wake of victory, we see that it does not admit this, This book does not admit David's sins against God with the numbering of the people. And as I pointed out back in, in 2nd Samuel, we see that there's a difference in the wording. And in chapter 21, it's actually saying Satan incited David to take the sentence, the census You know, so it showed that God allowed Satan to tempt David after David had accomplished much and gained great victories. And we learn, you know, the following truth from Satan's temptation of David, that Satan means accuser. He actively opposes the believer's efforts to conform to God's will and righteous standards. We will see that with Job, that he accuses Job, that Job is just, you know, because he's all prosperous, that that's why he worships God and that if, you know, God would take away all that he has, he would actually curse God. We're going to see that really plainly in the book of Job, where he accuses, and that's where this book of Job comes from is, you know, Satan, you know, God allowed Satan you know, to go in and he takes away the blood sacrifices, all of that first. And we see through it all that Job does not sin. He doesn't curse God. He won't curse God. um, And that's how he is. He's a constant accuser in, in our lives as believers. And, and there's several ways he does it. You know, he makes us he, he brings condemnation, especially in, in regards to our past, that we're not any better, you know, and or look where you came from, how could he love somebody like, like you, and I, I see that a lot in these days, especially in believers, that they haven't grasped to the fact that when they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're covered by the blood of Jesus, and all their everything that's in the past especially past sins the lives that they lived it's gone you know you know god has made all things new you know through christ jesus and it's going in and accepting that as our identity that we don't live that way anymore we can say yes we we're in that position but this is what god has done for us now we see that satan directs his activity toward the human mind mostly by way of deception you know he deceived david into thinking that god would endorse his census of the nation you know we a lot of times the battlefield is of the mind there's actually um, a book by joyce myers if you have never read it it's battlefield of the mind Which is true. A lot of it is a battlefield in our mind because the enemy likes to, to attack our thoughts. And, and that is something that we have to constantly, you know, we read in the word about renewing our mind with God's word. And when you are in God's word, you are putting that into your mind. You're putting that into your heart and allowing God to to renew your mind and it will help in your battles against the enemy. When you're struggling, when you're tempted, the word is going to come and and God is going to help. You know, we see that he loves to lead believers into the sin of, of pride and self exaltation. As we see with what happened with David, um, this was after David's great victories and accomplishments and, that's the way with the believer is, and I like to say this, when you are doing the work of God, when you are doing what God wants you to do, expect opposition, expect an, an attack of the enemy, be prepared, have the armor of God on. And that's something that God has really put on my heart lately, you know, especially in with reading the, the book of Nehemiah, um, where they As they're building the wall and they come across opposition, you know, it's, I just love, you know, Nehemiah's response. His first response was to pray, but he also put up that guard, he put up the security. And we see even at the end of, you know, chapter four that they wouldn't take off their clothes with their weapons. Because they were fighting against this, this opposition to the wall being built. And it's, it's correlates with our, our, you know, our own spiritual walk with the Lord, that we are to continue to wear the armor of God. And, and I can tell you when I'm doing youth group and right now, even with being named as a, as the youth leader, the main youth leader The enemy has really come lately and tried to attack, you know, me, my marriage, how I see my husband. I mean, he is doing what he can because he is not happy with what God is doing, you know, and, you know, because a few years ago, I would have said, there's no way I'm going to be a youth leader. A few years ago, I would have not seen my husband as being a deacon. You know, there's just things going on that, you know, it's uh, the Lord took over our lives. And, and the enemy doesn't like it that we're, you know, God is entrusting us in these places of position and, and so we're under attack you know, constantly under attack and we have to put that guard up. You know, I know like when we move into our new house before we even put a box in there, it's like, I am going to have people, people of prayer from our church going around the house and praying we're going to put the blood of Jesus upon this home before we bring anything in and as we leave our whole old home we're like going to be praying too that nothing from the house that we were staying in and renting goes with us and so that is just how it is it's a constant you know and and i'm just also going to warn that not everything Is attributed to Satan. You know. I like to tell my youth group kids. You know. For you know. My favorite thing is to say. You can't blame your flat tire for. uh, On Satan. You know. Flat tires happen. It's. It's part of. You know. What's. What happens with a car. You're going to get a flat tire. You need to go buy new tires at some point. Especially if you're driving it. Your washing machine is going to break down after so many uses. You just can't attribute that to, you know, Satan. It may feel like it's an attack because yes, you will start thinking, man, how am I going to pay for this? But, you know, this is what I tell people. Don't give Satan the credit for the flat tire. Just get your tire iron out and take care of it. And that's just how we need to be in our, in our walk with God. And, and so there's, you know, a balance of, you know, recognizing that there is Satan, but not giving him. And, and I know listening to, um, Perry Stone, who's, you know, a great evangelist. And I love listening to when he talks about spiritual warfare that, you know, he talked about that he was talking about so, are demons so much that they were in his house and, you know, and he was told the more that he talked about Jesus, the more they would just go away, you know? And so that's just something that we need to be along that line so that there's a balance there. So we see that, you know, he, he numbers the fighting men and, and, And we also see that in in this book you know david preparing the temple getting the priests ready preparing the priests getting the musicians ready i mean he was preparing solomon for for this move of god you know he's preparing this building of the temple you know, by designing the structure, building material, you know, millions of dollars worth of gold and silver to be used upon his construction. Um, since they were no longer required a portable temple, there was a need to organize and train priests who would work in the future temple. Because it was going to be different. You know, the ministry of the Levites needed revising along with the role of seniors, gatekeepers and treasurers. Who required job descriptions. You know. It, the section. You know. in Around 23, 24, 25 and 26. You know. It, it concludes. With the designation of military divisions. Leaders of tribes and state officials. Because they had been. In, in such a state of moving. And so God was preparing them. For this new move of God. And. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ is we're building up people and it's going to be, and when God moves, things change, people's roles change, you know, buildings change, you know, thing, we have to be prepared for the future work. And it's a huge thing in the church. And even if you're a brand new believer, being prepared for how God wants to work in you. And what needs to be done. You know. We we read here that. You know. In, after assembling the leaders in Jerusalem. You know. he anou- David announces his desire to build God a temple. But explains that he cannot. Because he has been a man of war. And has shed blood. He ends up proclaiming his son Solomon. As his successor. The king who will build the temple. And David charges Solomon to serve God with a perfect heart. And, um, following David's generous contribution to the temple, the leaders offered willingly as we see in chapter 29 and first Chronicles ends with the anointing of Solomon, his King and the death of David. And then we get into second Chronicles, which it, it focuses on when we were reading this, we went into the first seven chapters of Chron- uh, Second Chronicles. This focuses on on Solomon, and you know it's talking about you know this is going to be from Solomon all through the the end of Judah uh, when they are taken captive to Babylon you know, it's a topical history. Um, it serves as an encouragement for Judah, uh, which is under the control of the Persian empire. And it's more than a historical account. It's a divine editorial on the spiritual character of David's dynasty, Solomon's temple and the priesthood. Um, it's offering hope to the exiles. um, you know, as I, I talked about before, it focuses more on the southern kingdom. You know, we won't read very much about the northern kingdom. You know, it the temple in Jerusalem is a unifying theme in Second Chronicles. We see much of the material found in Second Samuel to Second Kings is omitted in Chronicles because it does not develop this theme. And the first section is devoted to the building and consecration of Solomon's temple. And, you know, it's, you know, 1st and 2nd Kings uh, draws out the significance of human responsibility, revealing how sin leads to defeat. 2nd Chronicle emphasizes God's sovereign deliverance, you know, we see with Solomon's reign. It's bringing Israel to a golden age of peace and prosperity and temple worship. Uh, The kingdom is united and its boundaries extend to their greatest point. Uh, Solomon's wealth, wisdom, peace, and and temple are are legendary. Uh, His mighty spiritual, political, and architectural accomplishments raise Israel to a new height. And it we see it opens with solomon's request for wisdom as as we see in uh first kings that he asked for wisdom instead of riches and honor and god was pleased with that request and grants it um you know during his reign and you know, trade brings great wealth into jerusalem uh And we see God consecrates the temple. And I do want to point out in chapter seven that we read in verse 14. This is a well-known verse and is being quoted often, especially these days. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is something that we really need to, this is a huge thing. You know, it's a big part of humility. It's a big part in, especially right now with what we're going through as a nation. And even as a, as a, as the world, you know, first off, you know, God emphasizes if my people He's talking about his believers, his church, his bride, that because we are called by his name, when, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and savior, especially in times when nation, when the nation is going downhill, sin is rampant. We know to go and repent and be humble. And the first thing is to humble ourselves. And pray. The second thing is to pray and seek God and turn away from wicked ways. That even means when we're condoning things, when we're turning our face away from something and just ignoring it because we don't want people to be mad at us. We want to be politically correct. That's just something that we have to be repentive of turn away from it. And when a church follows these steps, we have this promise from God that he's going to hear from heaven will forgive our sins and heal our land. And that's a huge big thing that I really wanted to end on with chapter 7 that we read is that in this time in this nation yeah, you know, especially with the political season, we're coming across like here in Wyoming, we have our primaries coming up, and on August eighteenth, which is a huge thing, especially with COVID nineteen, it's been really hard. A lot of candidates haven't gone to gotten to go out, and so like right now, a lot of people, like even I myself, like I know a little bit more what's going on Bighorn County. Than my own flipping county of Park County. Because well one I'm a newspaper reporter in Bighorn County. So I kind of know what's going on politically. But in Park County I'm like there's just a lot of changes. Because you know we do have some people who are already leaders. in, in leadership position they're kind of switching to another leadership position. They're eyeing a different seat. And so it's like what do, what is going on? So And it's been confusing because of COVID-19, that uncertainty going on. And and even some of these people, they couldn't even go out and do any forums. They tried doing their best on social media. But here in Wyoming, you have a lot of people who are retired that don't deal with social media. So there's just a lot of that going on. But as, as a church, we need to be, especially with the riots, especially... With what is going on. There's such division going on. Like I I know right now. There is such a division. Going on because of this. You know you have churches. That are fighting over whether to wear. A mask or not. And I'm just sitting here going. Really we're focused on a mask. When we need to be focusing. On the people who are scared. Who need Jesus right now. <laughs> and And that's how it is. You know, we really, as a church, we need to humble ourselves. We need to get back in to the presence of God, seeking after him, getting into prayer, praying for our nation, fighting, you know, as, as Nehemiah was saying to, to the people when he had them standing and defending and fighting for this wall was essentially, you need to fight for your brothers. You need to fight for your sons and daughters we need to fight for what's important. You know, the enemy wants nothing more than, than to see the church destroyed over division with mass, what's going on with COVID-19. He wants to see marriages fail. He wants, he's running out of time. So he's doing what he can, because I think we are so close. We are so close to Christ coming back. It is time to, you know, not be standing on the wayside anymore And, and saying, well, you know, I kind of just want to do my own thing until I get older. Then I'll really pursue God. No, there's not that much time left anymore. We need to get on, on the bus here or on the boat, essentially with Christ and get moving. And, and so this is just something that really is striking my heart as I think about it, that this is what's going on. And so I just challenge you in, in the next week, as we do this daily reading to continue on with that and, and really get into prayer. And especially with political season coming around, looking and researching your candidates. What are they for? Now you're not going to have the most hundred percent perfect person. You know, I voted for Trump and yes, there was some things that he's not perfect on. But I rather have a president that's pro-life. You know, he's for, he's against abortion. He was for Israel. He was about religious freedom, not, you know, condemning Christians. And so I chose Trump. I chose Trump over Hillary Clinton. I didn't want anything to do with Hillary Clinton because she's against, you know, she was all for, you know, babies dying up to the point of birth, letting people kill babies up to the point of birth. She was all for that. She was all for, you know, and just a lot of things about her. I was sitting there going, no, I would be going against God's word if I voted for Hillary Clinton. And I just did not feel comfortable. And, you know, I loved how Michelle Obama was saying that, you know, if you were a girl, you know, a woman who voted for Trump, that you were led by men. And it was like, no, I actually, I have to find that Facebook post. Cause I ended up sharing that and I had kind of a letter to, you know, Mrs. Obama and just said, I'm sorry, but I made the choice of my own decision after praying to God about it. I wasn't led or swayed by any man. I made it out of my own choice. (laughs) So it was like, so we are getting into that season. And so I just say, this is a time of prayer, a time of fasting. This is a time that we need to really, Get on the wagon, you know, not put the blinders on, get on the wagon and let God steer this wagon at this point and, and finish this race out. So that is it for the Old Testament podcast and for next week's reading. For the next podcast, we're going to start on 2 Chronicles chapter 8 and go through 2 Chronicles chapter 29. So, uh, essentially, that is what we will be doing. Uh, Stay tuned for another podcast that will be dealing with Psalms and Proverbs. Hopefully, that will be a little bit longer than last time. We will see. And then later on stay tuned for more on the book of acts and that one will probably be a while since I just know so much about the book of acts now so stay tuned <laughs>